Jesus begins with a prayer of praise. And then he asks us to consider our present. Give us each day our daily bread. The next section focuses on how we ask for our daily needs. Not our daily wants. Consider the crowd that Jesus is sharing this with. Remember, we're in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount here. The average person listening to his sermon in first century Israel and Palestine was a peasant, part of an agricultural society. If the weather was poor, bread was scarce. If the rains were good, they had a good harvest. But even then, all of the people were subject to a heavy tax by Rome. Jesus is telling a crowd to pray for their daily bread because, y'all, their daily bread was not guaranteed. We were able to go on this mini vacation last week. We would finish a meal, and I'm not kidding, it was a full meal. And then within the next 30 minutes, one of my boys would say, I'm hungry. Or what are we having for the next meal? Or can we go to Starbucks? This attitude of consumption is not just from teenage boys. Do you remember the story of the Israelites when they have been set free from slavery? They're wandering in the wilderness and they begin to complain to Moses of how hungry they are. And Jesus, God provides for them manna. And Moses gives them strict rules around the manna that there will be enough so that all may eat until they are satisfied. But do not take more than you need. If you do, it will spoil and have worms. And of course, what do the Israelites do? Some of them take too much. And in the morning when they wake up, it is filled with worms and it has rotted. Not bread for tomorrow. Not bread for next week. Daily bread. It seems silly for us to pray this in the present. And yet, I think all of us have experienced more concern for our daily bread this past week. We have gone to the grocery four days in a row because we are completely out of flour. How ironic, there is no flour to buy. In light of this prayer in the midst of COVID-19, how might we as followers of Christ shop for food differently? Consume our food differently? Give thanks for the food that we have differently? Notice that Jesus uses our again here. It's our daily bread. The bread of necessity is collective. When we pray to God for our daily needs, it's not just about me and my family. It is a prayer for the community. And while the Wright family doesn't need to pray for food today, I am aware that there are people in this community who need me to pray that their daily bread comes to them. With schools closed, hundreds of thousands of children and students do not get their breakfast or their lunches. Even if the school is providing them, they don't have a transportation to get there. How might we use the food that we already have in our pantries and fridges, deep freezers, garages, and storage closets? 
how might we need to put this part of the prayer into action? Not just by avoiding hoarding and stockpiling food, but by checking in on our neighbors or donating some of our food that maybe we've overbought to Manos de Cristo or to the Central Texas Food Bank, both who are in need. Let's take time now to consider what each of us needs to do today to pray and act to give us this day our daily bread. Write down your response for today. Jesus has us pray for praising God for our present. And then third, we have our past. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The word that Jesus uses here, it is an economic one. It has an economic connotation. It means something that one owes to another. The literal connotation is that you have lent something to someone else and therefore you have a debt owed to that person, whether it be money or sheep or grain. However, when we think about the metaphorical meaning of debt here, what are those things that we need to ask forgiveness for? Where are those places where we might owe others an apology? Especially, where have we sinned and disobeyed God? You know, God knows that sin is an everyday struggle for us, but that doesn't mean that we get to put it aside or cover it up. Jesus includes this petition intentionally as part of his teaching for the very reason that we must seek forgiveness for the wrong that we do. This is one of the things that followers of Christ do. And not only that, but just as we ask for forgiveness from God... We must also forgive others for the wrong they do to us. What was so troubling about this phrase for me is that the word used is indebted in the second part of the phrase. It means that the people that we are supposed to be forgiving are those that still have a debt against us. These are not the easy people to forgive. These are not the ones that have already said, I'm sorry. These are the very ones that will never say, I'm sorry. And Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. What's so amazing and astounding and reckless of God is that just as we are to forgive those that are indebted to us, God desires to forgive us because we are indebted to God. We are those very ones who do not say sorry all the time. We are those very ones who do very ones who do wrong but don't realize it. And yet we are the very ones who God says, "Come, approach me. I will always offer to you forgiveness." So for today, friends, what do we need to ask God to forgive us for? Take time and write that down.
praise, present, past, and what I'm calling potential problems. Jesus says, lead us not into a time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. When Jesus says this, I wondered, does that mean if I actually pray this and really believe it, that I won't have a time of trial? As much as I would like for this to be true, we know that it isn't. Praying for God to lead us not into trials or temptations means that we are praying for God's strength and discipline to be ready for whatever trials and temptations come at us. Think about your weakness. Whatever your weakness is, are you critical of others? Do you struggle with telling the truth? Is it a common thing for you to cheat or to lie? Do you find yourself jealous often, wanting more and more things? Is it your pride keeping you from admitting you have a weakness at all? Whatever your weakness is, God doesn't want you to write it off and say, yep, that's the weakness that I have in my life. And so I guess for that thing, I'm allowed to continue to fail. No, we are to pray daily for God to lead us not into a trial with the hope that the next time that our ugly and embarrassing weakness, it creeps up and tempts us, we are ready and we are able to be led away because that's the key word in this part of the phrase. Jesus says, lead us. In other words, you, God, lead us. Take the wheel of my life, God, with you leading me. I will be less likely to give in to those trials or temptations. I will reach a greater destination. Lead us, Lord God. Take time to consider where you need God to lead you right now. What potential problems might pop up that you want God to be leading you through? Lead me. This week, all of us are going to be doing life differently than we did last month, even last week. One of the hallmarks of the community of Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church is that we are a praying community. We pray for one another. We pray for our city. We pray for our world. Let's practice our faith intentionally this week by praying the way our Lord taught us to pray Praise our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Present, give us this day our daily bread. Past, and forgive us our debts, and we also have, as we have forgiven our debtors. And then potential problems. Lead us not into a time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Friends, may it be so in my life and in yours. Amen. Amen. Friends, I want to take a few moments to talk church business. 
Because I got an email earlier this week that said, isn't it a shame that we've shut down the church? That's what I want to talk about. Friends, I want to tell you that while Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church is practicing social distancing, and while we've limited access to our building, and we've asked you not to come here and not to gather in person, we have not closed the body of Christ, the church. Let me tell you what's happened in our midst in the last week. In the last week, we've made three trips to food banks or Monte Cristo with donations. This week, over 80 people in our congregation who we deemed vulnerable and in need received a phone call from a deacon or a Stephen minister, touching base and making connection. And this week, your church staff and church leaders figured out how to reach out in Zoom meetings, in Facebook Live meetings, in recorded greetings and meetings, and at least eight different things have been posted and put out for our community. We have not shut down the church. We are still at work and we are still the body of Christ and we are still, we are still reaching out in Christ's name. I know many of you would rather be here in this sanctuary with us this morning. And if you were here, I know many of you would be putting an offering in the offering plate. So I'm bold to ask that during this time when we cannot be together, that you continue your generosity, that you continue to help us do the work that we are called to do. Let us bring our offerings to God.